whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still real to me, damn it! Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Realto Show, episode number 605 for September 16th, 2021. Welcome to this week's edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, do you plan on cashing in by the end of the show, my friend? Man, it's, it's been tempting. Um, <clears throat> I got some really great advice from the guys from Impact Wrestling about saving it for the right time. And I don't know if Monday Night Raw or the SRTU podcast is the right time for me to cash in. I'm much more of a WrestleMania guy. Okay. Okay. I thought maybe you would spoil it. Tell them that it's coming. But, hey, you know what? Do what you got to do, brother. Because you I'm don't know. Baby. He could still cash in by the end of the show. I'm not a baby face. I don't call my shot. I'm a heel. I bide my time. All right. Not even if you were baby face, not even a heel turn, la la like CM Punk. I mean, it depends. Do you have a drug addiction that we don't know about? Stay tuned. Twists, turns <laughs> here on the Story of the Show. Speaking of cash-ins, we have a new WWE champion, Dr. Trey, and it's a gentleman that we have been clamoring for to become WWE champion for the past year, almost a full year. Congratulations go out to Big E on cashing in this past Monday night on Bobby Lashley and becoming the new WWE champion. Earlier that day, he tweeted out, spoiler alert, I plan on cashing in tonight. He opened up Raw, said he was going to cash in, did a segment backstage, said he was going to cash in, and he ended up cashing in. It felt like the NFL season started, Dr. Trey, being that they uh, threw that out there very early in the day. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm very happy for him. I mean, I don't think there's more a, a likable guy in all of WWE right now that has not become WWE champion like Bobby Lashley. Your thoughts on the Big E cash-in and becoming the new WWE champion? I almost want to take credit for this, Jeff, because uh, last week we discussed 
you know, who could be somebody that could challenge Roman Reigns if if not Brock Lesnar? Who would you pick? I picked Big E. <laughs> I said he should cash in. And unfortunately for me, they, they decided to do it on Raw and not take my advice and do it on Roman. But, hey, Big E is one of the most likable guys uh, in professional wrestling. Not just WWE, it's just in professional wrestling as a whole. I had this discussion on Facebook with a guy in one of my, the wrestling groups I'm in. guy didn't like it. I'm like going, if you're building a professional wrestler, you want three things. Can he wrestle? Big E can wrestle. Is he charismatic? Big E's charismatic. It, does Big E look like a professional wrestler? Absolutely. So on those levels right there, it checks all the boxes. So it makes a lot of sense. It's a way to move in a different direction. Um, but this does make me wonder with the draft coming up, and we were asking last week who can challenge Roman. What if Drew goes to SmackDown in the draft? Mm. And then we get Drew and Roman. So that's, that's kind of what I'm, like, I'm kind of hedging my bets. Yeah, I like that. I haven't thought about, you know, I have not thought about how this affects the WWE draft. I, I, I've always thought. Because we've seen this rumor uh, lately that Big E was going to end up back on Raw. That's been something that I've seen periodically throughout the past couple months as we approach the draft, which will take place, I believe, on October 1st. Starts on SmackDown on October 4th. It carries over to Raw. So it's those things now that you got to think about. So Big E, officially a member of the Raw brand, uh, unless he gets drafted back to SmackDown in a couple weeks. It is WWE. I, I wouldn't put it past them. But things like you're just saying there, I mean, does now does Big Drew go to SmackDown? That would be an interesting move. Uh, we've needed to see a babyface come and become WWE champion again. Uh, it's been seven months since we've had a babyface world champion in WWE, and I think they picked the right guy with with Biggie right now, and I, and. There's been reports coming out of All Out that there was morale issues with WWE right now because they, you know, basically AEW was dancing all over the grave. People were really enjoying it. They're jumping ship, and Biggie becomes champion, and it seemed to motivate a lot of people, at least for the time being, on the short term. But I love this move. I mean, if there is a way to stop the floodgates a little bit, we're going to talk about if AEW is closing the gap on WWE here in a little bit because it certainly has felt that way over the last month. I think putting the championship on Big E is one way that you you keep that water enclosed and damn it all out. Like, I, I love this move, Dr. Try. I think it's a long time coming. And um, now that the strap is on him, I really feel like this is a guy that could be extremely marketable for the next 10-plus years as a babyface, as a single star in WWE. Like, to me, Big E, like you said, is the complete package. Yeah, and, and I like this move also um, in the sense of if you look at how WWE does cash-ins at times or puts the belt on certain guys, you know, you think of like the CM Punk cash-ins, Daniel Bryan cash-ins. They weren't big stars when they cashed in, and it was kind of like a test run. You do it on, you know, arguably your B show. So that way they're not the quote-unquote face of the company, but we can test it out, see how it goes. And then we can see if he's actually marketable, if we can actually do something out of this. If this is really reminiscent of those cash-ins where it's like, listen, we have a lot of faith in Big E, but we don't know what we really have um, in this. So let's move him to Raw, which is the B-Show. Uh, I don't know why people don't get that anymore, uh, but Raw is the B-Show. So let's put him on the B-Show, have him cash in, let him have the ball, see if that you know sparks something on Raw. 
And then we know that later, a year or two from now, we can move him back to SmackDown, which is the A-show, and do the same thing there. So I love the way they did this. It lines it all up. You look at the Drew McIntyre thing. Drew's been putting people over. Like, people have been beating Drew McIntyre. So it's a way to give some guys some credibility if you do move Drew to SmackDown. I love the move all around. I thought it was great. And we, not to mention, if you listen to a Big E interview, he's one of the most intelligent guys you know, we've had in this company. Like, he's effervescent. He's charming. He, he has a very robust vocabulary. He's very proud of that. So to me, this is this is one of the things. Like, I remember back in the 80s, people would talk about Junkyard Dog being a world champion, and they never pulled the trigger on a guy like JYD. Big E is basically the modern-day incarnate of JYD, just on a different plane when it comes to promos. But in the ring, good look, and the crowd loves him. I think it's a great move. Uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of what WWE's done. Plus, once again, just another nail in that coffin of, oh, Vince is racist. We've had three, like, we've had three black champions in the last, uh, year and a half, two years. I mean, that's a big deal for WWE when we, we went generations without it happening. Yeah, I, I don't get on board of that bandwagon. I mean, you want to sit yeah. there and say that Vince is out of touch? Absolutely, I yeah. agree with you. I, I'm, I'm not on that bandwagon of, of racism, and I know people could tend to point to that. Very cringeworthy clip of him and John Cena backstage at like the Vengeance pay per view in 2005, and yeah, that that is extremely cringeworthy. But I don't hang my hat there to say that that's what makes him racist. Um, they just go with the right person all the time. I mean, when it's time to put the put the belt on somebody, this is this is the guy that you do it in it, and I think this is a really good move. I, I think it does divert attention away from. The WWE is slipping behind AEW discussion, at least for now. They have to do a lot, and, and I think Big E is the guy. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about, like, okay, how, how does this championship run turn out? Because it always feels like, to me, whenever you get a super over baby face like a Big E, it goes, it could go really bad. Like, in recent memory, like, Kofi's title run wasn't all that great. Um, Daniel Bryan's title run in t- 2014 wasn't all that great. The, anytime Rey Mysterio holds a world championship, it's awful. But then you have like these very strange anomalies with Drew McIntyre most recently coming out of WrestleMania 36 and carrying the torch with the pan- during the pandemic. He was a fantastic world champion, and I think it's sadly like forgotten about a year plus later because. You know, he's kind of taken a back seat to the crowds coming back and, and didn't get that champion's welcome that I feel like he deserved. Like, if there's anybody who deserves getting a hero's welcome from a WWE crowd, I will still stand by and say that Drew McIntyre deserves that for everything he did during the beginning stages of the pandemic era of professional wrestling in WWE. So I'm kind of torn here, Dr. Trey, because Big E, this isn't like a Kofi, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio underdog situation. This is a strong powerhouse wrestler like a Drew McIntyre. However, will he be booked like that as world champion now? We're in this weird little complex. Like the draft makes things very, very strange. We have at Extreme Rules, case in point, and Extreme Rules, the Demon Finn Balor will be taking on Roman Reigns. We'll preview and predict that show on next week's edition of SRTU. It was just announced tonight that at Crown Jewel, October 21st, Roman Reigns will defend against Brock Lesnar. Like, we know this time period, we're on the draft and all that stuff, that they make, like, when they announce ahead, things can get weird. Things can get crazy. Like, is Big E going to drop the title on Bobby Lashley so he could face Bill Goldberg again? 
Like, is Bill Goldberg going to ever run with the title? We don't think he should. So I don't know where to go with this right now. I'm inclined to think that Biggie is going to have more of a Drew McIntyre-like run because of the look. Uh, but I'm a little bit nervous that he goes down the direction of other babyface champions that have been booked poorly once they get that first world title run under their belt. Yeah, I think Vince and WWE have, have two different perspectives on babyface champions. If they're smaller guys, they're the underdog champions, the guys who you know escape with wins because of gut and guile and heart, where the bigger guys tend to have a more dominant run where they don't have to pull things out at the end. You think of like when John Cena got his first WWE title run. Like when he was still doing the rapper, you know, rapper gimmick, it was, you know, it, he had a decent run, but it wasn't, you know, long and it wasn't great. But he, the booking of it was really well. Same with Batista, you know, his first run. You know, you, you, and you talk about Drew McIntyre's run from you know a year and a half ago. They had good runs and they looked strong, and the bad guy just cheated to get the belt from him. And I kind of think that's a big E thing. Like I, I can literally in my head, I can book the next couple months where. Big E gets challenged by Lashley. Goldberg shows up uh, because MVP gets involved, costing Lashley the match. Then we get Goldberg and Lashley you know, rematch at, at Rumble. Big E moves on to his next challenger. Meanwhile, SmackDown's doing their thing. You know, there's ways to position this to where Big E can still look strong and not make your heels look bad. So, I mean, to me, it, it's an exciting time because now Lashley can kind of so- slide to the side for a little bit, let Bobby beat up all the heels get a decent run until you cycle Lashley back up to take the belt back off and, you know, say like around Royal Rumble or so. I'm going to throw this out there. You know, we always think about these flag bearers that uh, is, is kind of the cookie cutter norm for WWE. And I think when you look at the last 25, 30 years of world wrestling entertainment, the two that stand out are Hulk Hogan and John Cena. They were kind of the same mold, same direction, a little bit more towards the kids, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, hustle, loyalty, respect. It wasn't that Austin anti-hero rock saying witty things to pop the crowd and, and being extremely athletic and Brock Lesnar just being an animal and a beast. Roman Reigns was kind of never really um, accepted by the crowd during that opportunity to run with the title, but he's been fantastic now as a heel, which I think he always should have been. I'm kind of feeling that Big E could be that same mold as Hulk Hogan and a John Cena type. Like, I could see Big E being that guy that is embracing to the children, but unlike Hogan and Cena, the adults, like, really love and respect because he's so damn likable. Like, I I think they got something here with Big E, Dr. Try. I know it's just days, and this is, like, one of those hot takes, but I've felt this way for, like, the last year, ever since I saw that promo that he cut on Talking Smack where the Miz told him that he needs to get more serious. I'm like, you know, there is there's something here to this Biggie character getting an opportunity with a singles run and the stuff that he's saying. And not only that, did you see his WWE 24 on him at all? No, no, I missed it this week. Highly recommend it. it, it it's been out for a while. Highly recommend it. I like the guy a lot. I, I really think that he has an opportunity to become a torchbearer for this company for the next 70 years, Dr. Trey. No, I agree. I mean, I listen to the New Day podcast quite a bit, and then I, you know, I follow up up down down as well. And the thing about Big E is he is so damn likable. Like he's just he's very smart, he's very witty, he's really charming. But he has that chip on his shoulder that the great ones always do, where they feel like they have to go prove themselves 
over and over and over again to show that, hey, I earned this. Um, and you're actually like, like he, like Hogan was great with the kids, but when Hogan was, his character was pissed off, you felt it. Same with John. Like you've seen Cena like be, you know, witty and make jokes and stuff like that, but you've also seen serious pissed off John and you can buy into it. Um, you know, I love that you mentioned Roman Reigns because it felt like they were trying to shove Roman into that Hogan Cena character. And that's just not who Roman Reigns is. But Big E does fit into that. Um, my only worry is the name. Like, I don't know if that if, if, if they may have to bring the Langston back because uh, I don't know if just the name Big E is great for television marketing, stuff like that. When he goes on Good Morning America or, you know, whatever, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or uh, any of those shows. I don't know if Big E really screams. I got to check this show out if I don't know who this guy is. Um, you know, it's just it's like Big E. I thought he was a rapper. Did he die? You know, if you don't know anything about wrestling. Um, but you're right. Like, I think marketability wise. He could be a turning point in this game because the one thing that neither wrestling company does very well is focus on the African-American community. Like nobody really markets to people of color. And this could be a turning point in the marketing scheme for WWE, which could then bring more viewers to the game. Because, listen, uh, you know, for all the credit we give uh, Steve Austin for turning the tides in that war, Mike Tyson had a lot to do with it because Mike Tyson had a great following throughout not just – you know, white America, but black America as well. And when you see Mike Tyson with Stone Cold Steve Austin, you're like, oh, damn, if Mike thinks this guy's a badass, I need to check it out. You had Mr. T with Hulk Hogan. You know, there are connections to this where it makes it more marketable to all races. And I think Big E can be that divining rod that turns the tide for WWE in that. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think this is a turning point. It feels refreshing. It's a long time coming. I'm here for it. Very happy for Big E. Likeable guy. I mean, look at the wrestling world. I mean, I didn't see anybody write anything bad about Big E winning that. So very, very happy for him. Um, and we'll see where this goes from here. I, I hope it's extremely successful. I'm all in on the Big E train right now. And uh, I think he can be a face of this company for, for years to come. So, it, you know, that's the thing. And we're, we're going to talk about here in, in, in just a little bit, WWE, AEW, and everybody's very much down on AEW. But Dr. Trey, I mean, if you really take a step back, and, and I, we were on this train too, coming off the, the vibes of All Out, you're like, man, AEW's just kicking it. And WWE seems very blah at this point. But like, look at look at their future stars right now. Like their top level talent, it's still very strong with Big E, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. Like, there are guys in this company and girls that are going to be carrying this company for some time. And to think that WWE is just going to like fall apart is probably ludicrous on our end. And uh, I like that they're picking these people right now to carry the banner because I think a Roman Reigns and a Big E can, uh, can keep things fresh for World Wrestling Entertainment when they need to be right now as they're being threatened by AEW. Um, speaking of keeping things fresh... Following a war with AEW, we got the first installment of NXT 2.0 launching this past Tuesday. Uh, the big news as well coming out of that over the weekend was that Samoa Joe has some sort of injuries and had to vacate the NXT championship heading into the debut of NXT 2.0. Um, some highlights from that first edition, Dr. Trey. 
Braun Breaker, which is Rick Steiner's son, debuts and upsets LA Knight in the first match. Brooks Jensen, Bill Bull Buchanan's son, someone that Dr. Trey recently mentioned here on the podcast, debuts and tags with Josh Briggs, former uh, Evolve star in a loss to Imperium. Carmelo Hayes aligns with Trick Williams, uh, and they both say about it, about it like 13 times. Manny Rose debuts a new look in pairing with Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, which has been on NXT television the last several weeks. Uh, Eva Nile joins the Diamond Mine as their first female member. Tommaso Ciampa wins the NXT Championship over Pete Dunne, LA Knight, and Von Wagner, who filled in for Kyle O'Reilly. Indy Hartwell and Dexter Lewis get married in an extremely fun and entertaining segment that it felt like all the wrestlers really had a fun time being part of. Uh, new NXT logo debuts, new name NXT 2.0, the new NXT set debuts, uh, loss is the black and gold, plus the separation from Raw and SmackDown now as the ring canvas is a normal color. The ring ropes are now white. Dr. Trey, the first edition is in the books. Your thoughts here on NXT 2.0? Um, I don't I don't know yet. I really don't. It, it kind of felt 1992-ish in the sense of you see the color schemes, you see the horrible... Listen, Rick Steiner's son is going to be a star. Oh, yeah. Um, name is horrible. Absolutely, you know, yes. Um, Von Wagner horrible name for the son once again and all these names by the way the three you know three of the guys you mentioned are second generation stars you know who is von, von wagner's Wagner. father his, his father was wayne bloom from the destruction oh, the, yes the, the, the wrecking crew of awa i'm yes so, i have seen that yep so you have you have second generation stars it, it, it's michael mcgillicuddy all over again with these guys like none of them i mean brooks jensen not not a horrible name but not great either but Von Wagner, Brooks, or uh, excuse me, Braun Breaker. Some of these names are god awful. It, it's very 1992-ish in some of this stuff, but it's also a way of WWE showing. I, I'm going to reference the, the the talk we just had. When you look at who their stars on their main roster are, and then you look at the guys they were pushing, these guys are all bigger guys. These guys are all you know athletic freaks. Like these, this is the WWE mold that they were talking about rebranding this into and then sprinkling in the stalwarts that we like. Like I was totally su- surprised that a guy like LA Knight goes under to, to Braun Breaker because LA Knight to me is a, is a Vince kind of guy talks, books, wrestling ability, everything else. But the fact they put Braun Breaker over him in that opening match in the rebranding segment sends a message to the fans. Like this, these are the kind of guys we're building this around and you can either be on board or there's the other show on the other network. So I don't know how sold I am on all this because for as much as I love those young guys and they just debuted, none of them have been wrestling all that long. So I don't know how great <clears throat> the in-ring work is. And it's like, okay, is WWE going, is NXT going to be sports entertainment just like Vince wants? And then we're just going to go have to go to AEW for the in-ring stuff. Or like, I'm just kind of, it just kind of still feels all over the place. It, it kind of feels like their logo, like paint splattered on a wall. I just don't know where my eyes need to go yet. So I went into that show pretty ticked off because I saw that it was being rebranded as NXT 2.0, which I think is a very lame name. I think it's very, as you put, Dr. Trey, 1995-esque. It, it's, it doesn't even fit like today's standard of trendy words, right? Like 2.0 is something that you say back in 95 96, 97, 
you know, uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter, like there's iPhone 14 or 13. Like the big thing nowadays is like plus they could have a could have called it NXT plus and it would fit the mold of everything else that you're seeing right now. I'm with you. Braun Breaker is going to be a star. He's being pushed as a star. He defeats LA Knight. He has a stare down with Tommaso Ciampa. The dude looks like Rick Steiner. Obviously, it's his father and sounds like Scott Steiner, which is his uncle. Um, I don't understand why they don't give these guys the second generation names. Like he's on Twitter as Rex Steiner, so obviously that was supposed to be his point, his name at some point. Um, Brooks Jensen not being Bull Buchanan, like Brooks Buchanan or whatever. Like I don't get it. Like Randy Orton's allowed to do it, but as time has gone on, they want to control the other names. It, it makes zero sense to me. Like live off of the fact that they're second generation stars. Actually, the biggest star in wrestling, alongside Kenny Omega, in my opinion, Roman Reigns is a guy who's a second generation star that does not have the name of his family, which is beyond me why, again, we're not capitalizing when we should. Um, so I went into it pretty cranky about the entire thing. I, I love NXT. I've, I've loved everything about NXT. Um, and I was upset that they were rebranding and revamping something that I really enjoyed. And the reports obviously were circulating and it wasn't pointing to the NXT that I knew and love. The only part that came out was like Triple H's team was still got to be involved and they wanted to get back to the days of when it was popular in 2015 and 2018. Basically, AEW killed the NXT that we know and love. But as I watched the show, and you had Braun Breaker debut, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, uh, Carmelo Hayes aligning with Trick Williams, uh, Mandy Rose's pairing, Eva Nile joining Diamond Mine, um, and Tommaso Ciampa winning the championship. I thought it was just an easy way not to piss off longtime fans like Dr. Trey and I. I thought that that this was a pretty good show, honestly. Like, it did remind me of those days when you would put on the WWE Network on a Wednesday night and watch the one-hour or 40-minute edition of NXT television, and you'd catch this talent that you have not seen before, and you're like, man, I really enjoy watching them. They're pretty talented. Like, the same way that you got the feelings for... Tyler Breeze, or when the Revival debuted, or when American Alpha debuted, um, Baron Corbin even, Finn Balor, you know, it was it was pretty good, and it had a good mixture of seasoned talent like they have had in the past with Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn, and they had that with Tommaso Ciampa, Pete Dunne, LA Knight, like, I thought it was good. I think if Von Wagner left NXT television with the NXT Championship in his debut match, We'd have a different story. Like, the fans were not obviously enjoying that, that he took Kyle O'Reilly's place. Um, and then, like I said, the Indy Hartwell, Dexter Luma stuff was really well done. And I got the feeling that the, the crew enjoyed doing that more than the fans watching were. Like, it just seemed like a very fun segment. So, believe it or not, Dr. Trey, I I, I enjoyed the, the first edition of NXT 2.0. I hope the name changes. but uh, And the set is terrible. Like, it looks like they're working in a Costco. Um, like, I thought it was a good addition to the show. It, it reminded me of the old uh, WCW Saturday nights where they tried to make it look almost like a spaceship at times. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, because WWE used to crap all over the shows that they would do in sound stages. And then that looks like a sound stage. It was just, you know, there, there were parts of it, like you said, like the wedding was fantastic. Like, you know, the best. To me, like when he opens the vest up and you see the hatchet. <laughs> yes. yes. If anybody wants to object, I'm like, 
I, how many guys are going to steal that going forward now? Yeah. Like in real life. Yeah, like, Austin, do you have it. the rings? No, Johnny, yeah. we are in a ring. <laughs> and the fact yeah. that they were all dressed up like Dexter Loomis, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. No, and the, so the, that that may arguably be one of the best weddings I've ever seen in a wrestling show. So that that part it's was true. Really enjoyable. It, to me, it, to me, the the name stuff bothers me because here's the crazy thing about the Steiner name: it's not even their real name. No, <laughs> it's like you can still use Steiner and copyright it because that's not a real name, you know. So th- that part it, it, it is the cheesiness of the names. It is. You know, you see Carmelo, you see um, Carmelo and, and Trick saying about about it. Like that was like a, a great, you know, urban line in 2002. <laughs> like you're still 20 years behind the curve on urban lingo that you're writing for guys. It's a it's a bunch of old white guys writing lingo for these guys, and it's there. There are certain things in there that I, I really enjoyed, and there are certain things that I was like, man, this this is, like the wrestling is okay, but the, God, the names are god awful, or this color scheme's god awful, this this looks bad so there are things i enjoyed and by the close of the show when you get Ciampa back with goldie and you have the great wedding and then even the stare down between Ciampa and breaker i'm like i'm like you i'm like i end up enjoying the show but yeah there's definitely a lot of things that i would not do the way they're doing it but once again i don't own the company and vince is a billionaire yeah you know it's um but did you get that vibe at all did it feel like those old days of nxt when you would come across a uh, a Bailey match against Shasha Banks before they were who they were, and you're like, hmm, these two women are really fun to watch. Like that's the vibe I got. Like once I saw Rick Steiner's son get in that ring with the awful name of Braun Breaker, I'm like, this kid has it. Like he's got the intensity of his uncle Scott, and he's got the moves of both of them combined. Like he's a Steiner. This is this is a serious star in the making right now. Like that's the vibe I got. And even with the Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams stuff, and um, and Brooks and Josh Briggs being together, like I was like, mm, there may be something here. Like I got those good vibes that I did when I used to watch NXT in those early days of the network. Yeah, and, and you know, you and I loved NXT, but yeah, not gonna lie, there were times that I go back to basically right around the time that you know Robert Roode or Bobby Roode debuted. And from about that point on, it did become a little indie star centric, if that makes sense. I think Samoa and, Joe started that all. Yeah, but like you know, when when you saw when you started seeing when they started popping, showing the indie guys in the crowd, you know, oh, and, and we just signed Bobby Roode, or even when Drew McIntyre came back, you know, it became kind of indie star centric, and we didn't see a lot of homegrown talent coming out of it. And I think that's why Vince wanted to change and control the narrative of NXT, where. We want guys who work the style that we do on the main roster, and that might be where that disconnect was coming from NXT to the main roster because the styles are different. Um, so I get why they do it. I just, to me, once again, I, it's it's the names. Like I see Von Bra- or uh, Braun Break for one. I'd hate the name Braun because we just lost Braun Strowman, and how many Brauns are there in the world? And WWE's had two <laughs> in recent memory now. Um, but to me, if like if when I, if, if you said, "Hey, this guy's debut, his name is Braun Breaker," I'm gonna think, "Did he come out of the WCW power plant?" Like that's just it's just that that vibe to me. So that's probably the disconnect I have with it is that it it has it's not as real as what the NXT we got used to was, and what we're seeing on AEW to a degree. Like it, 
became very much like, oh yeah, this is a pro wrestling sports entertainment show and not a wrestling show again. It was interesting. It, it, they did they did turn me around a little bit. Like I said, I thought the Tommaso Ciampa call was was big. I mean, how fearful of you were that that Von Wagner was going to become the new NXT champion? Yeah, that, that especially after match one, when I see that hey, it's supposed to be a four way. La Knight's in the main event. And he's losing to a guy with a horrible, you know, with the Braun Breaker name. Like, and then I see Kyle O'Reilly not in the match. Who Kyle is probably going to be my pick to win the match. And then we get, you know, we get Von Wagner in there, which sounds like a James Bond villain. And I was like, oh my God, this, we're not going to go this route. We're not going to rebrand this whole thing in one night and change everything over. Like, for a moment, I had flashbacks to, you know, New Breed versus Millionaires Club in WCW, oh. where we strip all the titles and start all over from scratch. Um, so it, at least it didn't go that route. And you're right. To me, that was, you know, kind of a, a, like a, an olive branch to the black and gold diehard fans. Like, yes, we're rebranding it, but we haven't forgotten you. We still want you to watch. So we'll put Chapa back on top and we'll see how that goes. I feel bad for Tommaso because, like, a year and a half ago, people were clamoring for him to become the champion again. And, uh, you know, it, rightfully so. He's been taking a back seat. He's been working the tag picture with Timothy Thatcher, which has been fun. But uh, this title win, I felt like, should have been a bigger deal. And uh, it was kind of kind of lost in it all because he's, you know, he doesn't have the same momentum as he did at one time. But nonetheless, first show's in the book. We'll see uh, how NXT 2.0 continues on. Hopefully they drop 2.0. Um, moving forward here each and every Tuesday. Um, Dr. Trey, we talked about this for a little bit on last week's show, so we would carry it over on this week's podcast as well. AEW versus WWE. Is AEW closing the gap on WWE right now? Yes or no? What's it feel like to you? You're a longtime wrestling fan. You've got your fingers on the pulse. What does it feel like to you? Does it feel like the AEW wave is coming up on WWE and possibly overtaking it? Here we are. Uh, WWE sold out. Uh, the Massive Square Garden, 13,000 fans. AEW comes to town in Queens. They'll be at Arthur Ashley Stadium. They will have 22,000 fans in that stadium for their New York debut, nearly sold out. What do we think here? Is AEW closing the gap on World Wrestling Entertainment? I, I think they're closing the gap. I, I do think people that are preaching the demise of WWE and that AEW is going to overtake them completely is a little premature. Um, AEW is a, a, a really good product. It's really entertaining. Uh, my knock on it, and I, I talked about this with a couple of like longtime wrestling guys, guys with the business 30, 40 years, all the guys kind of look alike. They're all about the same size. And you do have to have that diversity. And when you look at the big guys on AEW, like, you know, you look at a Brian Cage, really hasn't been utilized great. Lance Archer hasn't really been utilized great. Everybody else is in that like five foot nine to six foot two, 180 to 215 pound range. They're all about the same size, where at least in WWE, you have a little bit more diversity in the size of the pro wrestlers. So, um, like AEW name wise, they're getting up there. They're honestly, you might say they have more name recognition on their roster than WWE, depending on what circles you travel in. Uh, so they are closing the gap. Um, I just I still think you're a few years away from them eclipsing WWE. It just all depends on the trajectory of this rebranding for WWE goes as well. What do you think of this past week's edition of Dynamite? I feel like there's weeks where they hit it out of the park with Dynamite and Rampage. 
And then I and listen, I don't expect for 52 weeks of the year that every single dynamite's going to be amazing. However, I feel like with the trajectory they're on, the momentum that they're currently building, you know, I think you get we got an end dynamite a couple weeks ago with Brock, uh, Brock Anderson versus Malachi Black that closed the show, and the entire episode of Dynamite was very blah. Um, I thought this week's edition of the show was kind of all over the place. I will always say that I love the way that they build creative there. Like, every match they have makes sense. There's a reason why it's happening. And Jim Ross said this recently about Tony Khan, and it's something we really don't talk about much. But Tony Khan is a damn good booker um, for AW, and that this is a guy who was just strictly a wrestling fan like all of us and has booked it extremely damn well. But I feel like this week's edition of Dynamite was, was okay. It, it, sometimes they're not hitting it out of the park, and sometimes they just... You know, really set you up for the next week, and maybe the Prudential Center show is basically setting up for Arthur Ashe Stadium. But uh, I, I don't feel like every single dynamite is is a home run like like I expect it to be. I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, the rivalries that have been brutal since All Out, like the not this not yet, you know this past week's dynamite, but the week before falling All Out, I thought was a letdown. I thought this show was better. Um, but still not a home run. Like you said, it was all over the place. I mean, I had a Rosario Dawson run in, which I love Rosario Dawson. She's like actually one of my favorite actresses in the world. So the fact that I got to see her in wrestling, it was like awesome. I, I got really excited for that for, for a little bit. But when you look at like the rivalries they're setting up, like, I don't know if I want to see CM Punk feud with Hobbs and hook. I don't know if I want to see the inner circle feud with Dan Lambert's crew. Although I will say this, Dan Lambert might be one of the best promo guys in wrestling right now. Oh um, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I, I mean, as much as I want to see Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega go at it, to me, that should have been where they went. And then, do I really want to see uh, Sting and Darby Allen against FTR? Like, I don't know if these are things I actually wanted to actually see, but yet they're being presented to me now. So, I, I do feel like sometimes they're kind of like, "Hey, we need to shuffle the deck and, and try to move some parts around." Um, and although you may not think you want to see it, will make you want to see it. Um, they almost have like a damn the torpedoes attitude type thing at times with, with their booking. But but you're right. Like everything they do makes sense linking from one thing to the next. I will say this. The, M, the MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. stuff I, I, I like, but I think it's also because I know Brian Pillman Jr. I'm friends with him. So I, I really like where it's going. But once again, did I think I wanted to see that? based on where they were at in the pecking order of AEW, I didn't know. So, like, the rivalries are setting up, to me, almost feel one-sided. Because, um, I mean, does anybody think that CM Punk's going to lose a few to Hobbs and Hook? Does anybody think that Sting and Darby Allin can have a compelling tag match against FTR? Do Are we really buying into, you know, uh, the men of the year inner circle feud? Are we buying into all these things based on how the show has been booked for the last year and a half, two years? I'm not sure yet, but at least it's different and refreshing and they're shuffling their deck and getting people, you know, opportunities that maybe haven't had that opportunity over the last six to eight months. So AEW right now coming out of all out, I think they had 1.3 million viewers and then they had 1.1 million viewers for dynamite. Like, Rampage at 10 o'clock on Friday is getting like 600,000. You just have to expect that that's a show that's typically going to be DVR'd rather than watching live for most wrestling fans. Uh, Raw still is getting like 2.3 million viewers per show. Now I get it. WWE's been around forever. They're the standard bearer, blah, 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 blah. 
So they're still doubling what AEW Dynamite's doing. And I feel like Dynamite should be doubling what WWE's doing based off of what I watch wrestling each week. There's a theory out there, and I saw this interview with Dan Lambert, that WWE's kind of gotten egotistical because they always rely on their diehards. Like, they're always going to have their diehards watching the product. And he's right about that. He certainly is. Um, But, I mean, we probably think that AEW at this point, two years in, would be chipping at the block of WWE a little bit harder viewership-wise than than we would expect. Like, how much longer do you think it's going to take here for AEW to catch up? Like, will they ever truly catch up from a viewership standpoint with a Raw and a SmackDown to contend with these companies? Because I feel like guys like you and I, these diehards of wrestling fans, we're always going to love what AEW does. And we will have these conversations where it feels like right now for, you know, the last year plus that AEW has put on better programming than WWE again for another year. But it just isn't showing yet in the metrics that define who is the more successful com- company. Can AEW overtake WWE at some point or have similar viewership than what their programming is having right now? Like, what is going on? Like, how are there double still people watching crappy three-hour Raw than there is great two-hour Dynamite right now? Um, that's a great question. And... You know, it's it's hard to really because you know my argument in the past was always well, you know, Raw's a staple. Raw is Monday Night Football, and there were times you know during the, the early two thousands where we had some really, I mean, even mid two thousands, we had some really horrible Monday Night Football games, and they would still grow, just grow uh, great audiences just because it was Monday Night Football, and that was the norm. And I think Raw still has that. Like the norm is, you know, oh, it's eight o'clock Eastern Time on Monday Night. Uh, what's going on on Monday Night Raw? You know, I don't think they've AEW's really they haven't been around long enough to establish that presence on Wednesday nights. And then plus, don't remember, don't forget, they get preempted and get moved around. So you might get that guy's like, man, I'm gonna check out AEW Wednesday night, and then they come, they turn it on, and it's a, a basketball game or a ba- or something else, because Dynamite got moved Saturday. They haven't established that stability yet. In that time slot, I think for it become musty viewing, and then plus, we talk about their star power that they have. And although I do in the wrestling fandom, their star power is on the same footing as WWE. They don't have that cross multi platform star that crosses over that everybody across you know pop culture knows who that guy is. You know, WWE yeah. can always bust out a John Cena. But you don't think Chris Jericho? To a degree, but I don't and, think I put Chris Jericho on the same level as I put a Cena or a Rock. Well, that's a little bit different, yeah. especially now. I mean, like I think Jericho is just as a recognizable name than Roman Reigns currently. Yeah, but like I said, we just had John Cena SummerSlam. We just had Brock, you know, the return of Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, I think, is more universally known than Chris Jericho. So WWE still has those names. I mean, hell, they can bust out a Hulk Hogan and drop it on people if they really want to at any point. You know, it, it's it's. I think in in the realm of general not like general culture, WWE still has more name value than AEW. I still think AEW has to find something that is their stone cold that just crosses over that everybody that kids have to tune into. That's and that's where they're marketing to, which I think makes a lot of sense. They're marketing those teens on social media that they can get that buzz going. They can never get that that little, like I said, that Austin esque 
type thing where it just crosses over everywhere or that DX thing that just crosses over everywhere that the kids buzz about it and then the parents start flipping from raw to dynamite then I think it'll jump up but right now we just haven't had that transcendent moment that makes people switch the switch the channels yet I think they're working on that um, I agree with yeah. you I think they're working on that I think their core guys that they're working on and I've used these names in the past MJF obviously Darby Allen Jungle Boy um, Hangman Page, Orange Cassidy, I would say, are those guys that they look at. Sammy Guevara, I, I think they're Stark. looking at. Who else? I said Ricky Starks is going to be one of those guys they build around. Yeah, Ricky Starks. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think uh, those are folks that they're looking at to really carry the company. And I think from a female standpoint, the one that really stands out to me is, and she's coming along really well, is Jade Cargill. I still think that they look at her as like a future big star. And even Britt Baker, to a degree, as well. Um, but I think the issue there with some of those guys, and this is going to sound very bad and cliche, but Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, even Ricky Starks, like they're not like guys that could, I feel like, are are like a Big E, right? Like, do you think, I mean, they could beat us up, but do you imagine that they would win every single fight? I don't, I don't think so. This is the uh, the Vince McMahon CM Punk argument, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and the Daniel Bryan and the Rey Mysterio arguments as well. And it's it's you know Vince always wanted his champion to be the guy that nobody wanted to mess with in a bar. And if CM Punk walked into a bar, half the guys in there think they could kick his ass. And you're right. Like I see Orange Cassidy, I'm like, yeah, in, in my prime, I think I could take Orange Cassidy in a fight. In my prime, I think I could take Darby Allen in a fight. Now at 44, probably not. They're faster. They're more athletic. They kick my ass. But they don't have that larger-than-life guy that you just go, that's a badass dude. And the ones they do have, you look at a Brian Cage. Brian Cage physically is that badass dude. But when he talks, he loses that badassness to me. Now, Lance Archer's a guy that I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Lance Archer at any point in my life. Lance Archer killed me. Like, he literally murdered me. John Moxley, to a degree, has that tough guy image. But sure. once again... Six foot one, 245 pounds. He doesn't have that larger than life image. And his promos aren't, he doesn't cater to kids, you know? And so you got to have that person, like, you know, we talk about Big E. Kids love, adults love. Hogan, kids love, adults love. Cena, kids love, adults love. Roman, to a degree, you know, was there too as well. Rock, but Rock, kids love, adults love. Austin, kids love, adults love. You don't have that guy yet. That, that checks all the boxes. And all those guys I mentioned from WWE are also guys that people are like, yeah, that dude, that dude could kick my ass. We, we, you don't have that guy on the roster that's top of the car that you're like, that dude could kick my ass, kick anybody's ass. And, you know, everybody loves him. They didn't have a freaking Goldberg in his prime in WCW. You know, that was WCW's guy. He was a badass dude. And people were like, yeah, that's, that's an awesome dude. Kids loved him and adults loved him. So they just haven't found that guy yet. Speaking of the guy, someone that could beat us up, uh, can beat up like 18 of us at once, uh, is Brock Lesnar. And currently he is rocking as a babyface for the first time since like 2003. What are your thoughts about babyface Brock Lesnar? I'm here for it. (laughs) I love, I I saw this on, 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 I missed it on SmackDown, but I saw it on on Facebook. Pat McAfee's line of, if the aliens showed up tomorrow... (laughs) Yes. And we had to send out one person to fight them. It's going to be Brock Lesnar. He's and probably like, right. I, and I didn't hear a single person go, 
No, no. I think it's like universal. Yeah, Brock's that guy we're saving. Yeah, if there's a um, guy that needs to defend the human race, it's Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I, I'm, I'm actually. So here's the weird thing about this, Jeff. And I don't know if people thought about this. I'm looking forward to see how Brock does without Paul. Because you see the success that Rock is having in movies. You see the success that John Cena is having in movies. You see the success that Batista is having in movies. I would watch a Brock Lesnar action flick if, if I can fi- if I can find out if he could actually talk, like and have good promos, which I've seen him do it when he wants to. But he got Paul was his crutch. This is not only Brock Lesnar's you know maybe last run in WWE or babyface run. This is also Brock Lesnar auditioning for Hollywood if he wants it. So I'm really excited to see where this goes because, you know, you put Brock Lesnar in any kind of action movie and he's the lead or he's the villain. Dude, I am checking that out because he's going to look like a monster on the screen. Um, so I, I think that's another avenue people haven't really thought about, which is great for WWE because, once again, if Brock ever does cross over in that platform, it's more eyes on WWE products. So I, I think this is actually good for everybody involved. And like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, when Brock's laughing and smiling, I get really, really scared because that to me seems more like an unhinged Brock than just grouchy, angry Brock. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's scary, and I love that he's a baby face right now because uh, you know he's the guy. He's the guy. So it, I like that they're doing it because it's like we've been waiting for somebody to take out Roman Reigns, and it, it appears he's going to be the guy on October twenty first at Crown Jewel. Taken on Roman. Are you surprised at that announcement tonight, Dr. Trey, that that's, that's going to be the match at, at Crown Jewel, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns? I was more surprised that we're going to have Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. True. Um, because of the last episode that happened there. But we also know how much Saudi Arabia pays uh, when Brock Lesnar comes to town. So I'm not hugely surprised because, I mean, that's going to be a huge payday for Brock. Um, and I'm not surprised in the sense that we could, I mean, I don't even know really how much WWE counts Saudi Arabia shows as quote unquote, like for lack of a better term, canon for the history of WWE. Like you talk about Star Wars canon or stuff like that. I don't know. We really don't get a ton of references back to Saudi Arabian shows coming out of them. So we can run this show, we can run this match, and then also run it back at WrestleMania if we need to. And I still think we get the same kind of buy in for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly um, a WrestleMania level match. It's unfortunate it's happened in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we all know love my my love for the Crown Jewel shows that they do, but uh, I'm happy it's happening. I, I I'm enjoying the build right now. I thought that segment with him, with Lesnar, Reigns, and Heyman, and and of course the Usos was very well done on SmackDown this past Friday. I, I thought that was a really fun segment as well. Yeah, Paul feels like right now. Paul feels like. The guy who's got a new wife, but his high school crush just showed back up. <laughs> like, he just, he looks, and this is why I love Paul Heyman. He just looks so torn emotionally anytime those two guys are in the same vicinity right now. And I love, I love it because you got the Usos playing like the little, like, nagging friends of the wife. Like, oh, you know he's going to cheat on you. You know he's going to go back. Like, it, it really feels like a real life drama uh, with everything going on. By the way, the Usos, uh, somebody else that doesn't get to use their uh, family name. True. Again, yeah, they're not the Fatus. It's just yeah. the Usos, which is brother in uh, in the Samoan language. 
And then lastly here, Dr. Trey, let's wrap up this week's edition of SRTU by talking about your experience at Mayhem Wrestling this past Saturday. If anybody's been listening to the show here the last couple weeks, our boy Dr. Trey was working commentary, main event level match, Impact Wrestling X Division champion Josh Alexander, and Impact EVP Scott Demore taking on the Good Brothers, Impact World Tag Team Champions Luke Allison, um, Carl Anderson in a uh, main event level tag team match. Dr. Trey, how was the experience of Mayhem Wrestling? Did you get a chance to talk to Josh Alexander, Scott Demore, or the Good Brothers? And uh, what good stories you got from this past weekend? So, um, full disclosure, I was a little bummed out. I mean, the show itself was great. Um, and when I got there, I got to kind of you know shake hands. We also had Larry D versus uh, Crazy Steve, so we had another Impact Wrestling match. Um, but when I got there, the Good Brothers, Josh Alexander, Scott Demore had their own locker room that was separate from the rest of us. So I was a little bummed out that I didn't get to hang out and meet them and spend time with them. Uh, but the show itself was, was great. Uh, we actually had, it was actually an impact, uh, camera crew that did all the recordings for it. That's going to actually do the editing and chop it all up for us. Uh, I got to do commentary with a young man named Kevin Martin who works for impact wrestling, um, in their editing program, but he also does a lot of stuff, uh, as far as scouting and recruiting for impact. So that was really great. Um, had a bunch of great talent from across Tennessee and Alabama and throughout the Southeast on the show. Uh, really, really just great show from top to bottom. And then the, here's the best part was I didn't know that the good brothers were going to be babyface, and that Demore and Alexander were playing the heels. But then, you know, I, I kind of got clued into it because, uh, it's Tennessee and Josh Alexander and Scott Demore Canadian. So therefore we hate Canadians. So they made them the heels. And since it was called the two sweet takeover, the good brothers were the, were the baby faces and, uh, it was actually the first time in Tennessee, actually, I think in the South, that the Impact World Tag Team titles were actually considered on the line outside of Impact Wrestling. So that was pretty cool to be a part of. Uh, overall, just had a great time. Uh, got some compliments from the guys from Impact on my commentary, so that that's that was always a good sign. Uh, overall, just top to bottom, great show, great fun. Um uh, the best part, though, for me is the fact that so Kevin was also doubling as the ring announcer and he was actually doing in ring introductions. Then he would have to get out, come all the way around the crowd to get to the announce booth to call the match. So I was a little confused at, at some points because I'm like, OK, am I doing the first few minutes of this as a straight play by play guy? And then when he gets here, I go back to being the heel color commentary guy. So a couple of the matches were a little bit rough on that end, but by the end I said, screw it, I'm going to be Dr. Trey doing play-by-play, and when he gets here, I'll be Dr. Trey doing color commentary. So I actually got to do heel play-by-play uh, for a couple of the matches. The Crazy Steve, Larry D match, I called the entire match. Uh, the Good Brothers, Demore and Alexander, I called most of the match play-by-play, and then uh, switched over to comment, you know, color commentary when Kevin got there. So overall it was it was a really good learning experience and uh, an opportunity for me to kind of test my chops with you know impact guys and like the director uh the guy who actually directs most of the impact shows was sitting four feet from me directing this broadcast so uh, getting a little bit of nice feedback from him and getting feedback from the guys from impact that i did a good job on commentary made me feel pretty good yeah did you get a chance to talk to uh alexander demore good brothers at all not Alexander Demore. I did get a chance to talk with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson for a moment. Um, 
super nice guys, uh, and I wouldn't expect anything less. I, you know, uh, Luke Gallows lives in Georgia, so we we kind of run like a lot of friends in the same circles. So it was nice getting to meet him. My wife got a picture with him, um, and they didn't even charge her for it. That was the great thing because you know wrestlers are going to charge you for anything. So you got to buy a T-shirt, get a picture, autograph. We're charging you for it. So Doc uh, took care of my wife, got a nice picture with her done. So uh, I spent more time talking to Larry D and Crazy Steve just because they actually um, <laughs> they made them change in the same locker room as the rest of us. Uh, but I've known Larry for four or five years now. Uh, Crazy Steve is best friends with one of the guys that kind of brought me up in the business. So it was getting it was pretty nice to hang out with those guys and, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, I was doing everything properly by their standards. There you go. Good stuff there from uh, Mayhem Wrestling this past weekend. Dr. Trey working commentary uh, for some big names being on the card, being on the show. Oh, so good to see. And, and we just posted the pictures uh, from that show on the SRTU page as well. Oh, good. Go out there. Check it out. Facebook.com slash the Still Real Tough Show. All right. With that said, Dr. Trey, let's wrap up this week's edition of the show by getting a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebarrowshow.com. Russell Chatnet on Twitter and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us find the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can hit me up on the old Facebook and the Instagram page to search out Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, also check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling as I return there this Saturday for another one of our shows there. Uh, then also be sure to check out Mayhem Championship Wrestling as I'm still doing the commentary for them when we do our next set of TV tapings. Uh, and then also be sure to check out our Facebook page because every time we post, we get a new Mayhem episode up. I, I'm posting it on our show or on our page. So give me some feedback. If my commentary sucks, keep it to yourself. If it's good, let me know. I appreciate it. It is the internet. We typically don't give positive comments, but please, nothing but positive. Because it is feeling the positivity after this ball this past week with our new WWE champion, the one and only Big E. Uh, next week's show, we'll be back on the 23rd. We'll be previewing and predicting WWE Extreme Rules 2021, all on next week's edition of SRT. We'll also be looking at uh, Dynamite Grand Slam from Queens, New York, over at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Um, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the world of professional wrestling right now, and we're right here in the midst of it. So uh, keep it locked here on the Still Real Test Show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SRT Podcast, Facebook.com slash the Still Real Test Show. And until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is the Still Real Test Show. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. 
Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.